why fire? Let's turn in the Bible to uh, Acts chapter 2. We'll read the first four verses. And uh, I wanted to look at this language really importantly. So if you've got notes, if you're watching at home, God bless you. But take some notes today or watch on catch up again. Because I want to do a bit of a teaching message today. But hopefully it will feed you. Acts chapter 2, verses 1 through 4, read like this. When the day of Pentecost came, they were all together in one place. Suddenly, a sound like a blowing of a violent wind came from heaven and filled the whole house. Everybody say whole house. house. It filled the whole house where they were sitting. They saw what seemed to be tongues of fire that separated and came to rest on each of them. All of them were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit enabled them. James Bond quoted this quote in one of his uh, films and it was originally written by an author called Jack London. But this is, he said, I would rather be ashes than dust. I would rather that my spark should burn out in a brilliant blaze than I should be uh, stifled to dry rot. I would rather be a superb meteor, every atom in me magnificent glow, than a sleepy permanent planet. The function of man is to live not to exist. I, don't, I shall not waste my days trying to prolong them. I shall use my time. And many of you would say, woo, great quote, good. That's really interesting. But you know, if we're not careful, we will be asking the Holy Spirit to fill us in order that we get to live the lives that we think we should live that we should have the power to do everything we want so that we could have the power not to waste our days but to prolong them so that we should use our time. And all of that may be inspirational and it may be good and there's some truth in that, but we need the Holy Spirit today because there is so much to do for the kingdom of God. The world is in trouble, people are lost, And our best efforts won't do it. We need his power. Amen, church. And and some of the things going on in our schools, some of the things going on in some families, we need the power of God in order to cope, not just to cope, but to overcome. So seeking the Holy Spirit today, I want us to look into some important truths of how to best walk in his power. And I'm going to focus in on the symbol. And it is a symbol, and a symbol in the Bible meant that it reminded them of everything they knew and gave them a handle on on the, the progressive revelation of God. 
So when he, fire shows up in uh, the day of Pentecost, it harks back to some things in the Old Testament as well. But first of all, I wonder if you could look at the language with me. If you're looking at your Bible, this will be on the screen as well. I want you to notice some of the language here. First of all, they were all together. And they filled the whole house. And, and if you just stop reading there, you could think that this was just a corporate experience or a, a something that people just got caught up with. But then it says, the tongues, the fire came and tongues separated. So there was tongues on Edlin and there's tongues on Ron and there was tongues on Chris and there's tongues on Nathan and there's tongues on uh, Lindsay and there's tongues on Cabby and song, tongues on... Uh, uh, what's your name again? Corinne. And there's tongues on uh, Scott. And there's tongues on, uh, who are you? Kathy. <laughs> see, if we're not mistaken, you see, you don't miss this. The tongues separated. And there was an individual experience. And it, the Bible says it rested on each of them. No one was missed out. Even the folks right up in the balcony or, or right down here, no one was missed out. Not one corner, nothing. Nothing was missed out. And then it says, all of them were filled. Can you see this kind of interplay between the whole group and then there's the individual as well? We need to learn the interplay of the group and the individual in terms of how the Holy Spirit works. There is no doubt that they had been called together to pray long enough, and they'd been praying for 10 days, and they'd been meeting with Jesus for 40 days prior to that, but they were praying together, and there's a part of that praying together that kind of puts them on the same page kind of process. We've all come from all over London today, and maybe even further. Are we on the same page? We got, the God tends to say, I need you to be together. I want to get you on the same page. When it says they were all together in one place, I don't believe that's just a statement of location or geography. I believe that that's a statement of heart positioning and posture. They were together. They were on the same page. You as an individual, however, will never be rubbed out or overwhelmed by the mood of the group. Yet at the same time, you as an individual are invited to flow with what's going on with the whole group and what God is doing at that moment. And it will take openness and faith by you to say, okay, I... I'm open and I believe and so that you receive for yourself. I don't know whether you've ever been in one of those meetings and it seems like everybody's, something's happened for everybody around you except you. But you need to start being open and say, well, well, this is for me. And so for every single individual today, we have to believe that this is for us. And also the thing that we have to do when we're in a group is fight the fear that I'm going to get missed out that it's for everyone else but me. Have you, you know, we've got that embedded in us. I think, you know, I, I love what teachers do, but so, sometimes in school, you know, you think, 
Ooh, you know, you know, you put your hand up, don't you? Are you, are you one of those? Were you, or were you one of those who never put your hand up? You, you know, you put your hand up and you say, me, 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 yeah, I know. And then they pick somebody else. And you think, what's that about? I had the answer, but you didn't pick me. You know, I, have you done the sports thing? You know, at school, you know, where, you know, I was late changing one time, uh, and uh, Kathy will say, no surprise there. Uh, and I got to on the football field, it was one of the last, and they said, Nossi, just join that team. Now, let me explain. My nickname at school was Nossi. Ryan, Ryanoceros Nossi. That's how it goes, that's how it works, okay? And I'm healed, I'm healed, I can talk about it, I can talk about it. Keys to freedom, already done it. Um, but I ran on the pitch thinking, you know, and the ball was just about to go into our goal. So I'm the one and I think, oh, great, my first act is to save a goal from the tea, for the team. So I run on and I kick it and I sliced it into my own net. <laughs> Scored an own goal. You know, popular person on the team straight away. We've all had those experiences and when we... And, and somehow, when it translates into our psyche and our spirit, it translates of, I wonder if God will miss me out. I wonder if it will be everybody but me. So from you, it's going to take a flowing with what God is doing and a confronting of some of the things in your own heart. But you need to see this interplay that what happens in the group is also not totally dependent on you, but you don't want to be a blockage. In fact, doesn't the Bible say in Ephesians 4:30, and do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God with whom you were sealed for the day of redemption? And the word for grief here is a Greek word, it's called lapia, and it means to cause sorrow, to cause sorrowfulness. Well, wouldn't, it, wouldn't it be strange if the Holy Spirit looks down on you or from within your heart and he's saying, you're making me sad because you, you're not releasing. So the first important lesson of today, and I'm going to show you five reasons why he gave fire, but, but the first important lesson is that to be filled with the, the Holy Spirit is both an individual thing and a group thing. It really is. And there's an interplay between the two. And we've got to be careful about that. But I want to say that the work of the Spirit is deeply personal. And so today, imagine the picture in Acts chapter 2, verse 3, where it says, and fire came from heaven, and, and, and tongues of fire, flames of fire, separated and came to rest on each of them. Thomas looked over at Peter, and Peter looked back to Thomas and said, Whoo, look what's on you. But it, it came to everyone, and it was the same source. In fact, Paul says, but we're all baptized with one spirit, so as to form one body, whether we're Jews or Gentiles, uh, slave or free, we were all given one spirit to drink. And that what, what actually Paul is, is saying is that it, it's the same source, even though they're separated, it's the same thing. Nobody's got a bigger flame than anybody else. But it does involve surrender and, of our individual will. 
This is not just group experience here or group atmosphere. There's a decision that you have to make in your heart to be filled again with the Holy Spirit. And it says, the language is really interesting because you know when it says they saw what seemed like tongues of fire, that, that phrase that they saw what seemed like means that they stopped and stared. See, I wanted you to understand something about the day of Pentecost. It wasn't just like, who was that a flame? What, did that, did you see that? Did I see that? No, it wasn't. It was a coming down and a flame sat on their heads and they stared at it. They looked at it for a long time. And Peter's going, you know what? Thomas, you've got a flame on your head. And Thomas looks back and says, well, so have you. You know, God was trying to state something here. Don't think that this was a quick experience where you could just say, oh, did that pass by? No. It was an experience whereby they stared at it. It was definite. In fact, this is the point. God made it happen in a slow way or in a staring way so that he could say, I want you to know this symbol. Now, it's written down, actually. So it wasn't a fleeting thing. The people, Luke recording it, said, well, there were tongues of fire. We all saw it for a while. God was trying to get their attention as to the nature of what was happening. Now, we could talk about the wind, and I'd do so in the Living Wind, Living Word book. I could talk about the water, and I'd do so in the Living Wind, Living Word book, and all the other symbols of the Holy Spirit. But I just want to focus for a few moments on the symbol of why did God bring fire? What's he trying to communicate? Okay, five quick reasons. Number one, first of all, actually, immediately, we should say that God was fulfilling a concrete promise that he'd given to them by John the Baptist. In Matthew chapter three, verse 11, John the Baptist said, I baptize you with water for repentance, but someone is coming after me who is more powerful than I am. He's, I'm not worthy to unlatch his sandals, but he will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and fire. fire. And so, in one sense, the Holy Spirit comes and says, it's really important this, that you know this promise that you've got, it's actually happening now. It's in reality, it's now. The Holy Spirit wants to bring about in your life what God has promised to you. He wants to translate promises into reality. Now, it might take uh, a waiting and a stretch. Remember, John the Baptist said that promise three years before. Some of you have been waiting on a promise for more than three years. But don't worry, it's coming. The Holy Spirit's going to translate it into your reality. There's a guy called Jordan Peterson, and he's a bit of a guru on YouTube, and he does lots of philosophy and so on. I'm not sure. I think he's on a journey to faith. I'm not sure he's even a, a Christian. But if you Google Jordan Peterson and the Bible, not now. Hey, don't, don't be Googling now. Later on, if you Google Jordan Peterson and the Bible, you'll see that he shows an amazing diagram. 
of how the Bible is cross-referenced. In fact, the Bible is cross-referenced to itself 68,779 times. There are 68 times that the Bible says, this says this here, and that confirms what that says there. Now, actually, Jordan Peterson gets it wrong. Because in his little film about it, or in his speech about it, he says, oh, the Bible is an amazing book. It's the first hyperlinked book, you know. He's trying to make it modern and all that. And he's talking as if it's one book. But actually, the Bible isn't one book. In fact, the word Bible, Biblia, means library. Do you know that you carry a library around with you? It's 40 books. or It's got 40 authors, by the way. Uh, 66 books. It's different authors who didn't know each other. So the fact that one promise confirms another promise is even more of a miracle. If it was just one book, like I'd written with the living word, living wind, you could say, oh, that, that hangs together. Isn't Mark clever? But actually, it isn't that. It's that there are so many authors who didn't know each other, and then they, I mean, I just think about, Lord, let me go on a holy tangent. You know, Daniel's reading the Bible one day, and he's thinking about the, the situation of Israel, and he looks back, and he's reading Jeremiah, and he's going... This is what we're doing now. This is the reality now. You see, the Bible hangs together. This is my point. God gave them fire to say, not one promise that I have made will not come true. I've told you I'll baptize you with fire. Here it is. And I want to say to you today that God's not going to miss out any of your promises. He's not. In fact, the Bible says that the word is like a fire that smashes the rock to pieces. Jeremiah says that. I had a little, would you mind if I just, just coached you a little bit, though, about promises and, and the word? And I'll do this really quickly so we can get on to the other four things. But I had a word dropped in my spirit this week. And, but it's something that had been nestling there for a couple of weeks and then it came stronger and stronger when you think you've got a promise or a word from God first of all you should look at the method by which that word came was that method consistent and repeatable or was it just a fancy flight that just flew in your mind and is that God not God when God drops a promise he will repeat it he will repeat it He'll repeat it. They'll weigh it. So you need to think about the method of how you're hearing something. The second thing is that you need to hear about, you have to weigh up your motivation of why you want that promise to be true. So if somebody gives you a word, in two weeks you will have a Rolex, why do you want that to be true? What's your motivation about that? What is that? God's given me a word, and what's the motivation behind that? Is it making you more Christ-like? Is it making you more biblical? So as well as method, look at the motivation, and, and then you need sometimes searching your own heart with that, because the heart is deceitful at times. And then, if you get a word, look at the message in the word. Does your word fit with the wider teaching of Scripture? 
Now, this is kind of, I've gone on a bit of a tangent away from Pentecost, but I just felt like I just need to do a bit of coaching about the thing of picking verses out the air. You know, you see a a bread van drive past with Warburton's on, and you think, oh, the bread of life, he's going to come. It's not that. You know, what you've got to do is think, well, is this message from this word, does it fit with the wider teaching of Scripture? If you get a word to leave your wife, that is not what the teaching of the scripture is. Think about your method. Think about your motivation. (laughs) I've just seen a couple of the wives looking over the husband and saying, see? (laughs) Think about the message that it has. So first of all, fire came because it had been promised. Your promises are coming. Oh, Come on, faith in the room, faith in the room. Your promises are coming. I know it's hard. I know it takes time. This promise was three years coming. I know it's hard, but your promise is coming. Amen? Come on. Secondly, the fire came because it was self-sustaining. It was not taking anything from them. It was not receiving anything from them. It was like the burning bush. I'm going to steal a a thought from Danielle Strickland from our conference this year that it was just pure power. That it wasn't, it, it does not need you and it does not demean you. It is power simply to empower you. And and when the flame and the symbol came, that often in the Old Testament it was just not burning anything up but self-sustaining. And then what, what God was teaching them was is, look, this is not power that you need to be afraid of or worried about or with an agenda. It's power to help you. That's why he gave them the fire. Thirdly, the fire is there for revelation and insight into, as to what God is and what he is like to cause them to inquire to know him more. Now look, just think of the scene. They are staring at each other. They've got fire flaming on their heads. And God is saying, I'm here, I'm here, I'm here. My presence is here. And I want you to understand that it's me. In, in the book of Exodus, when, when Moses saw the burning bush and it wasn't burn, burnt up, he got close to the fire and out of the fire came the insight, I am who I am. This is what you are to say to the Israelites, the I am sent you. Jesus promised when the Holy Spirit came that he himself would reveal things through the Holy Spirit. Jesus said, I will glory, he will glorify me. It is from me that he will receive uh, what he, uh, he will receive and he will make known me unto you. You see, when he gave fire, he was saying, look at me, inquire of me, come and learn of me. You know one of the best things about Moses? He was curious. That when he saw the bush, he said, ooh, let me look at that. That's a strange thing. How about you with God? Is, has God become a little bit familiar that you've stopped being curious about who he is? 
Can you imagine being in the upper room and you're Peter sitting there or Thaddeus or Bartholomew and you're looking across the room and some of the other women are there and the flame comes down and then it separates and your eyes go big and you know that God is in the room and you say, what is this? Have you lost your what is this? Has God become a a bland add-on, a kind of lifestyle choice? We don't want to be like those people over there, so God helps us to be like these people over here. No, we're in the presence of the living God church. He wants to come into your life. He wants to come and say, know me, investigate me, go deeper in revelation with me. This means that the presence is there We need to look into him more. In fact, Paul prayed this. He said, I keep asking the God of our Lord Jesus Christ. Ephesians 1, 17 and 19 says, I keep asking the God, the Lord Jesus Christ, and the glorious Father, that he may give you the spirit of wisdom and revelation. God wants you to be curious again. I pray that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened in order that you may know the hope to which you were called and the riches of his glorious inheritance. We need to understand this. That fire showed up to say, know me more. Understand me more, but also get more revelation. Fourthly, fire in the Old Testament was always for guidance. And you see, because the flame hung around for a long time, their minds start going back and, and God's, when he repeats a symbol, he points you back to what one of the symbols was about it. And in the Old Testament, the pillar of fire was given as they were coming out of the land of, of Egypt in Exodus 13 verse 21. It's really important that you catch this, that he wants to lead you. And in Exodus 13, 21, it says, the pillar of fire came in the darkest of nights. The fire comes on Peter and Bartholomew and and John and James. And as the pillar descends upon their heads, the God of the Exodus is saying, I will lead you out. Even in the darkest night, I'm going to lead you. Even in the hardest situation, I'm going to lead you. And I believe this is a word of the Lord for some people here today, that he is going to lead you. He's going to lead you through confusing times, dark times, things that you don't understand. But God is a fire that leads us. Jesus said it. He said, I have much more to say to you than I can say right now. But when he, the spirit of truth, comes, he will guide you into all truth. Would you... Would you ask the Spirit of God right now to say, guide me, Lord. Guide me, Lord. Be my flame. Be my pillar of fire. He will speak only what he hears from me and tell you what is yet to come. Your guidance will be around what's true, what is the word of God, and what lines up with the word of God. Lastly, The fire came on Pentecost because God is a consuming fire. That he burns up 
traits in our lives that aren't right. It burns up sin. He burns up that which would spoil us moving in the right power. Can you imagine on that day that the fire comes, you know, the wind has come and they're maybe, you know, they're not confused, but they're certainly in awe of what's going on and the fire comes and, and tongues separate. And Peter's going, oh Lord, I've, I've denied you. And I know we've had our moment on the beach, but I've denied you and the, and the fire comes and, and says, I'm burning up that denying spirit oh Thomas is sitting there and said oh Lord I I didn't really believe you I I had loads of questions and the fire comes and the people across the room are saying Thomas has got it and here's a doubter so I can have it and the fire comes and begins to clean out that part of Thomas that always needs an answer he's like a teenager isn't he just Tell me why. And I don't know why. Well, tell me why. I don't know why. Oh, Holy Spirit, come and burn it out of him, you know. I don't know what you're like. I don't know how much confidence you've got in God and in yourself. But the Holy Spirit wants to come and consume those things that spoil you. Why don't you just begin to worship just quietly right now? And begin to know that actually, not only is it a consuming fire, but in the Old Testament, when an offering was accepted, fire went up to heaven. And actually, when, when the fire came and rested on their heads, God was saying, I'm going to accept your ministry. I'm going to accept your efforts. I'm going to accept the things that you do. You need to put your work on the altar. And I know the work in your church, you need to put it on the altar. But I want to say, put your career on God's altar. Put your life as a teacher. Put your life as a nurse. Put your life as a policeman. Put your life on the altar and say, God, burn it up. I, I receive it. The things I'm doing, I'm, I'm doing them for you, Lord. Put it on the altar. Come on, put your, put your Sunday school class on the altar, put your cell group on the altar, put it on the altar let it, let it be an offering to him because that's what when God sent fire he was saying put your work on the altar, lay it to him, you know it's going to happen at the end of time anyway you know if you hold on to your ministry you know at the end of time 1 Corinthians 3 tells us that if anyone builds on this foundation using silver costly stones, wood, hay, straw their work will be shown for what it is because the day of the Lord will bring it to light. It will be revealed by fire then it will test the quality of each person's work. If you don't put it on the altar now It's going to go on the altar anyway. It's coming. If what he's built survives, the builder will receive a reward. If it's burnt up, the builder will suffer loss, yet he'll be saved, escaping even through the flames. I want to say, why don't we put KT, Kensington Temple, on the altar and let whatever's burnt up, let it be burnt up, and whatever survives, let it survive. Why don't you put your cell group on the altar and say, God, I give it to you. 
Why don't you put your heart on the altar and say, I give it to you. Why don't you say, God, you gave fire at Pentecost so that you could accept that which I do and I work for you. Pray it this way. Come on, pray it with me right now. Lord, I lay it down to you that if there's anything you want to refine, refine it. Why don't you pray that, Lord, if there's anything in my life that you want to refine, burn it up. You know, in Malachi, it says, who can endure the day, of, who can stand of his appearing? He'll be like a refiner's fire or a launderer's soap. You know, it talks about him, him purifying silver. Do you, know when, you know, do you know when silver is pure? Do you know what you look for? When silver is pure, you can see your face in it. When it's in the smelting pot, you can see your reflection in it. When your life is pure, you can see Jesus in it. You can see his face all over your work, your ministry, and what you do. And I pray for Mark Ryan's life. Refine this heart. Refine this ministry. Burn up what you need to burn up and receive what you need to receive. How about you? anybody with me? You see, I'm not saying it from a negative thing. I'm actually saying that God delights in what you offer to him. It becomes like incense. It becomes like an aroma in his nostrils where he says, oh man, I just love the way that you pray and how you give that to me. It's beautiful in my eyes and in my ears, says the Lord.